Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sanderland podcast. I'm Jamie, and with me, as always, is... Data. Jack. And Joe. And this week, we are starting Mistborn Book 2, The Well of Ascension, and we're covering chapters 1 through 4. Uh, we pick things up a year from when we last saw Vin, King Elland, yes, he's still king, and the crew. The dominances outside Luthadel are preparing to make their move, and Elland is having a hard time keeping things on track. Vin fights off eight Alamanic Alomantic assassins, and we're introduced to some new mysterious beings. We also learned that more than one person has been keeping a journal. Uh, it's exciting to be starting again. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone hold on to something. The Sanderlanch is about to begin. Elders, tellers, keepers of the bottom, treasures of the dirt. Russian string, we swivel and sing, and dig for the annals of the earth. Okay, so yeah, and uh, just to preface, in case anyone is wondering, our song for this book is called Keepers by Miracle of Sound. So you can uh, find that out there to buy. How appropriate. Yes, no, it's totally appropriate. And if you listen to the lyrics, they even fit with what the keepers in our story are all about. So it's actually a really good fit. I I was very lucky finding that one. So the beginning of a new book. What did everyone think of our reintroduction to what used to be the final empire? I don't know what you'd call it even now. (laughs) The the, the next final empire, maybe? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) The the first kingdom? Ah, possibly. Possibly. Uh, No, I liked it. Jumping back in. um, It's always exciting to start a new book and, Everything ended pretty quickly in the last book, so it was. I wasn't really sure what we were going to come back into. Yeah, it makes sense. Bit of time's passed. I think I was happy that Ellen was still king. We hadn't just missed all of this stuff in between. <laughs> um, they finally got a little bit of a break, trying to to put some things in. It's nice to see that you know some of the plan was working. Um, obviously, a few more struggles coming their way, trying to hold everything together in the government. Wishing Kelsia was here to help them through the plan. No surprises that things are about to go pretty pear-shaped, possibly. Nice to see Vin having another kick-ass battle with a whole bunch of Alamancers. And, yeah, I thought it was it was a good introduction. It's given us a few little things to think about, a few new mysterious beings and people to watch out for and be curious about. So, yeah. Getting all sorts of new mysteries already, isn't that fun? <laughs> <laughs> I'm also not surprised. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you probably shouldn't be. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's always more secrets. Wait, no, I screwed it up. Um, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I I like these chapters. It whets the appetite, as it were. We all called Venture was going to come into play, and so it was, co- it was cool to see that fanning out, and it seems like he has not changed in the slightest. Uh, I like I liked... that he's already called himself king. Yeah, yeah. It's like, ah, oh, some things don't change even when we really wish they would. <laughs> but that was all cool. Um, I like this new watcher who uh, is watching. Doesn't. Um, yeah, that's what watchers do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's it sort of reminded me of um of playing Arkham City as real, watching Batman throughout the game. I thought, hey, that even works because his cloak looks like a Mistborn cloak. Yeah. Yeah, I totally see that. 
so curious to see more about that. I like seeing Orosua still, how have you pronounced that, still hanging around. Yeah, no, there's like a, a lot of stuff going on. I'm curious to see where it all leads. Um, I will say, reading the epigraphs, I was thinking from the second one, I was going, I think I know who's writing this. I'm going to bust that out. And then chapter four, it just said, my name is Quan. I've got, damn it. (laughs) Yep. I was actually, when I, when I reread these chapters, I was kind of disappointed with that too, because I was going to be like, oh, this will be a fun thing. When we get into the episode, I'll be like, who do you think could be writing these? And I was like, oh, well, never mind. Yeah, it's like, it's got to be either Rashek or Quan, and Rashek didn't seem like the journal-keeping type, so, and then, yeah, just like, oh, yeah, it's Quan. Well, at least I got it before I read it. <laughs> well, the inside joke is that I didn't read these chapters, but I did. <laughs> um, so, no one is going to understand that yeah, at all. <laughs> that's why I said it's an inside joke. Anyway, anyway, I, uh, I like the first and second chapter. Third chapter was a little slow for me. Plus, that's where all the gushy relationship stuff was, so, you know. Um, <laughs> and then I like the fourth fourth chapter. We get to catch up with Sazed. I thought that was nice. I did like some some books fall into the Pratt hole. Uh, not Pratt hole. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Some Pot some hole? books. Yeah. Pitfall. Some, pitfall. Thank you. Some some books <laughs> fall into the pitfall with second books or third books that they, like, try to re-explain, like, everything. And I feel like this book did a little bit of that, but... Um, not so much that it was just like, oh, great, I'm rereading the same thing that I already know over and over. So I, not, I, I did like appreciate explaining that. who Harry who Harry is and why he lives under the stairs. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you know they didn't do that, which was nice. I also like that they added because I don't think I don't think a single time in the first book we heard the term lurcher. So I'm glad that they kind of added that because I'd thought about that too. What are guys that just pull? What are they called? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I, I enjoyed that, and I'm I'm really excited that there's already kind of a mystery going on. Because I guess in the first book, our mystery at the beginning of the book is like, what is this world? What is this allomancy? But now it's, you know, we've got something more directly plot-related that's a mystery already in the first few chapters. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Yeah, it's, he's, he's already trusting us. It's like, you know, you know the world, you know the powers, let's just get straight into the plot. Yeah, he is. He is a bit at least. I, he does, like Joe said, do some reintroduction, especially. And I think he does it in most books uh, uh, of the series is reintroducing the basics of how Alamancy works, which he kind of squeezes into that fight that Vin has to be like, you know, this metal pulls and that metal pushes and this metal does this. OK, now we're caught up. But uh, it's not obnoxious in this one. It's not. It's not Dresden Files, where he reintroduces every character, every book, and you start getting tired of Murphy being described as, you know, uh, over and over as, like, the short, blonde girl. That, uh, that at least fits, because that one's first-person narration, that fits Dresden <laughs> being the, fe- feeling the need to do it. It's like, I feel <laughs> like in a first-person book, that's a bit easier to swallow than in a um, third-person. Mm, yeah, I can see what you mean. Okay, well, I suppose let's get into these things. So we start out with our first new epigraph. I write these words in steel, for anything not set in metal cannot be trusted. Very dramatic opening words that are also very mysterious, because what does that mean? It means whoever wrote this doesn't trust thick books. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <There> it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I guess, um, I mean, the way it sounded to me, I know they say that they keep things in their copper mines, but I almost wonder, it's like, are they? Is he recording something on steel somehow as a terrorist? I, I, you know, I didn't know if maybe that's what he meant, but hmm. well, maybe we shall find out. But yes, you guys 
one of the major predictions at the end of the last book immediately pays off at the very beginning of this uh, first chapter where, oh, look, uh, as King Ellen Venture stands up there on the city walls, Straff Venture's army of 50,000 soldiers is marching up outside the city. So that's not good. It's like when you think about it, it's actually astonishing that um, Ellen got a year before Daddy came back. It's true. And I, I mean, I, I think I think the way they mentioned it in here it makes it sound like he spent a year basically re-securing his power or securing his power in the northern dominance as uh, as like king of the northern dominance. And once that was all secure, he decided to march down here. Yeah. So maybe it was trickier than he thought getting everything going up there. So him, him and Ham are up on the wall talking about, like, yeah, we're going to fight this army. And Ham's like, I don't know, man. This is this is not good. So e- even with a year, they still have – he says he has about 20,000 men, which is not going to stand up to uh, 50,000 professional soldiers who have had uh, years of training or whatever. Although apparently – in the last book, I think there were 20,000 people in the garrison. So I guess not all of them stayed after uh, Ellen took over. Well, if he's trying to be the good king, it's like if people want to leave – and if they haven't committed any crime, then he'd probably be obligated to let them. Otherwise, he'd be seen as, oh, he's just favoring the people he likes and not the ones that disagree with him. Right. I mean, it may, it may just be that he could not afford to pay these people as much as they want to be paid. And so they found work elsewhere. Yeah. Well, they make the point that the economy is on the verge of crashing. So, yep, that is another thing that's happening. And even in, already in Chapter 1, he's uh, they're kind of Ellen's still in Kelsier's shadow. He's thinking about how Kelsier was like the brains behind the whole operation, basically. And, uh, he never even really knew Kelsier, but the whole crew is, uh, that's, he's the one Kelsier's the one they look to, to figure out all this stuff. And there's an assembly in the city, an elected body that he says is on the verge of surrendering the city to Straff. So it's not a good situation. They're not super happy about this. Uh, spooks out of town. So uh, at least for another week, he says. So you don't you don't need to worry about that. And Breeze has been gone for months, and they have no idea where he is. So don't, this is a, a, a nice. <laughs> they're like, yeah, who knows? What's that guy doing? So it, it's kind of a nice, uh, almost subtle way of being like, here's where all of our characters are right now, except for Sazed, obviously, who's off doing his own thing. But we'll find that out in uh, chapter four. And then it's like, where's Vin anyway? I don't know. <laughs> Because Vin is out prowling around, looking to get in a fight, and she does indeed find a fight. It's interesting because in the in the annotations for this, he says originally the book starts out with the fight, mo- most of which is in chapter two. Like uh, that was going to be the introduction basically here, but he eventually determined, as they worked on it, that it, you needed to establish upfront like the threat that was coming that was the threat to the city basically like straff's army didn't show up for a couple of chapters originally and so it was like there's vin and her concerns about like the mysterious stuff that's going on and he didn't feel that it set the right tone for what they were trying to do in the book so they had to move up the arrival of the army to be the first thing that we do to get us into the right mind frame i guess for uh, what's going on in the book makes sense and so yeah vin's out there and all of a sudden, coins start flying at her. And like you said, Orser the Chondra is still here. She didn't want to keep him at the end of the last book. But I remember you guys were thinking, like, it's that may, she may not have that choice, basically. And he's definitely hanging around. 
Well, I got the feeling like he's clearly in a different body at this mm. point. I don't know, don't know what happened to Kelsey is, but yeah, it's it's. I guess if he's not wearing the face of her mentor, and then he, she's probably not okay with it entirely, but at least a little bit better about it. I get the feeling it was like because he was it, it was. It was less about him and more because he was looking like Kelsey that she wanted nothing to do with him. She's probably had time to get used to the fact that uh, if, he, if he's someone else, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and it, it does say that he's got a different body, a balding, nondescript body. Although, she, I liked him as Lord Renew. She, that's like how she remembers him mainly, not even as Kelsey, or because the, she spent a lot of time with him as Lord Renew. But apparently, they didn't keep that either. Maybe he just like stores these bones somewhere. It's like, which outfit do I want today? He's got a whole closet <laughs> of bones. <laughs> and Orser says, did you find what you're looking for, mistress? So he, she's got someone new calling her mistress now. His tone respectful, yet somehow still a little hostile, as always. So you don't get the impression in this first chapter or the first few chapters that they get along real well. He does what she tells him to do, but she's it may, and it might just be Vin's perception that he's kind of hostile, but it doesn't sound like they're buddies. <laughs> Does he just resent her for not being Kelsier? It's like Kelsier, like knew, like knew how to make good use of me. You don't. Maybe. Uh, okay, so yes, we get to the end of the first chapter, and that's when coins fly out of the air towards Vin, and we get our next epigraph. Uh, it's like, I've begun to wonder if I'm the only sane man left. Can the others not see? And so he seems to be talking about the legends applying to. Presumably the hero, the one who wrote the book in the pre- or the epigraphs in the previous book that we know there were all these legends and stuff that he even talks about. He's like, do all these legends really apply to me? Like this, this seems very loosely applicable in some cases. And that seems to be what Quan is saying here, except with more conviction that, uh, you know, these people are applying all these things when really they don't and shouldn't. And they're jumping to conclusions. So maybe one of the questions that we had last book was the question that this guy had. Like, why did Quan betray him? Why did Quan decide he was not the hero after all? And this seems to be kind of maybe answering that. Yeah, but then as, like like you said, we've got uh, the previous hero was making these things, saying, I don't know if it's really meant to be me. And then Quan saying, I don't think it's him. It sounds like maybe a whole lot of problems could have been avoided if they just fucking talked to each other. <laughs> Isn't that always the way? Yeah. Nobody wants people. to talk. Ugh communication is very important <laughs> but I, I, at the same time he also says the the hero in the previous epigraphs is also like but if, even if it's not me i'm yeah. better than like nobody right when the world's about to be destroyed yeah so maybe that's the bone of contention i don't know yeah probably uh so then we get a cool cool alamancy fight where vin is just taking down guys and the the thing that joe said about the lurcher is interesting and i'd kind of wondered if anyone had picked up on that in the previous book that we didn't get i don't i think you're right that we didn't hear the name lurcher but also we didn't get much i don't think we met anybody who was just an iron misting and we met like all the other ones basically and i don't know if it was because he was saving it or because he hadn't figured out at that point how to make someone who can pull metal useful in like a fight or something but in yeah because uh, in this in this instance it seems like he's only useful <clears throat> as a member of like a team because he uses the shield and pulls the metal so that the other people don't get hit by it. Yeah. yeah. He's like the tool that you bring along to counteract somebody on the other team throwing metal. And it makes sense. I mean, unless you give him some other kind of weapon, he's not going to be particularly useful 
hurting someone by pulling metal towards himself, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you've already got at least five people in this group who can cause some damage, so it makes sense to have this guy here purely for support. Yeah. Yeah, you got this guy, and I guess the smoker is also technically just there for support. Yeah. Although the smoker is the one, I think, who breaks out the uh, the sound sticks later to... Uh, for, because loud sounds can like disable this person burning tin, which was kind of ingenious. I thought I liked that little yeah, addition. That was cool. Totally a way for even just a normal person to kind of stand up against uh, a mistborn a little bit. So we won't go into all the details of the fight, although it is pretty cool. Coins flying, thugs beating on Vin with big sticks and things. But the 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 real tricksy part is when the uh, she takes down one of I guess one of the coin shots. And then the mysterious watcher kills uh, the smoker. And she's told us in the previous chapter, like she mentions this guy, the watcher, this dark silhouette standing on top of a building nearby. But uh, we don't know much about him, except that she's on the lookout for him. And in this case, he takes out the smoker and she's like, why would he have done that? Unless, oh, somebody is still smoking in this group, which means and she figures out that somebody is a mistborn in disguise, which was really very an ingenious way here to like this guy pretends to be dead and has his adium ready to go so that when she gets close, burn adium, stab her. And it's all it's over before she even knew that uh, something was going on. So this our mysterious watcher friend saves her life basically here. So it begs the question how he knew this other guy was a mistborn and not a misting. Right. Like, what exactly, like, where is he getting his information from? Yeah, or can he pierce copper clouds like Vin can? Who knows? Yeah, and I mean, it's possible that if she'd been paying attention, she would have realized, uh, she could have pierced a copper cloud and realized that this guy was burning more metals. But she she realizes what's going on, she pulls out her, uh, or she gets her own adium by yelling a code phrase at Orsur, so saying, go for the palace. So he throws her the vial of adium, and they get into an adium fight but apparently this guy did not have much because he runs out pretty quickly. She even says that she doesn't have much, but he runs out before her. So then he's dead and she's dodging thugs and things. And she takes the sound sticks and like crushes one of their skulls with the sticks, which is kind of a grisly picture. And her adium runs out and we find out that that is the last of it. That is all of the adium they had, which is also unfortunate. Yeah, it's no good. You got to have that adium if, adium if you're going to fight a Mistborn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when the fight's over, she's uh, like, Orsur got hit with some coins. And she's like, I didn't expect there to be blood. And Orsur is like, you probably didn't expect me to feel pain either. Okay, so yeah, I feel like that's a little bit confrontative. He's, they're not buddies. And I, I guess we established that earlier. But they're, uh, it's a weird relationship here. She calls him, a, like thinks of him as a thing. You can't blame her necessarily. He is a gooey blob, as Jamie yeah. uh, said. True. True. We're going to keep bringing that up. Gooey blob is the best. <laughs> well, he's, he's not really gooey at the moment. He's like, he's taking human form. He's more of a bony blob. Yeah. And so he, he's like, you have to get me a new body. Uh, maybe one of these dead guys that you just killed. And she does not want him to take one of those. She's like, he, He's like looking at the, the bodies on the ground. He's like, you going to eat that? that totally is the impression like hey you know (laughs) if you're not going to finish those then there's eight of them so and i guess she has some kind of i don't know 
weird moral quandary about this. But if those guys had just tried to kill me and my, you know, my servant was like, hey, I, I need a new body. This one's pretty messed up. I've been like, yeah, go ahead. Right. I don't get the objection either, uh, personally. But she, I, I, I don't even know if it's a moral thing. She just doesn't seem to like the idea of uh, him eating somebody and taking their body. Yeah. I don't know. Which confused me even more because she says the body he has now is like a murderer in Luth from a murderer who was in Luthadel, so somebody might recognize him. I'm like, well, then wouldn't you want him to be somebody that's some, some in a body that somebody wouldn't recognize? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I think it was less to do with like who the body would be, because like you're right, it totally would make sense to take a body that people wouldn't recognize, because then it's no biggie. It's more just the fact that she doesn't want to be there and watch it. Yeah. Kind of like, uh, no, that's just gross. I, 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 we'll figure something out, and then I can be somewhere else when you do it, because I don't, <laughs> I don't want to see that. Uh, but we find out an interesting little detail about the contract, because he says, "You'll have to find me another body." Then the contract states, "I cannot be forced to kill men." So fun note about the contra and uh, what they can and cannot do well at least under this contract that he signed right yeah maybe it's physically possible for him but the contract in this case at least says that he can't uh, she can't make him do it so that's that's interesting just in that you you would think that a very useful or a, a common use for a contra might be as an assassin you know they can take over the body of someone close to your target get right up there and stab them uh, but in this case, they cannot use him in that way, at least. And you're right. I, I'd, I'd actually kind of forgotten that. But the next paragraph talks about how the current body was a murderer and it was taken after an execution. So she decides that she will think of something. Any, any thoughts on what she's going to think of? Not yet. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Straff venture. There we go. <laughs> well, that, that would make some things easier. Yeah. It's like, we're going to go kill Straff venture tonight and you can have his body. Problem solved. <laughs> and, they and then you could command them. the army to work for the central Dominus kingdom. Exactly. It's all. It's, why didn't they think of this? I, uh, yeah, say, I, re- they, I really should have written this book. <laughs> <laughs> they, it's like they, they do that, but they forget to tell Ellen. He's like, wow, why is my dad so much more helpful all of a sudden? <laughs> <laughs> well, he is King Oblivious, so I think that fits. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Ellen. Joe does not like Ellen and has never liked Ellen. Got it. Uh, I mean, you know, when he first showed up, I I thought he was all right. <laughs> just went downhill from there. I also like that she she asks him or Sora is like, can you get back to the palace? And he's like, with time. So he's in horrible pain from like all these broken bones and things, and he's just gonna have to drag himself across the city because she just leaves him there. Like, could you maybe just order me a trolley or something? <laughs> So maybe maybe it makes sense that he doesn't like her because she's kind of a jerk to him. It seems like. Yeah, I have something about that, but we'll, when we get to pred- when we get to predictions, I think. Okay. We'll... Fair enough. And this is where she reveals that that bead of vadium was their last bead, and uh, she thinks now that she's gonna die as easily as the Mistborn she'd slain tonight if another Mistborn shows up. And we get our next uh, epigraph, which is basically more of the same. He's like, my brethren, ignore the other facts. They cannot connect the other strange things that are happening. They're deaf to my objections and blind to my discoveries. So no one will listen. Everyone thinks this guy is the hero, and no one's willing to listen to my counter-arguments at this point. And people still don't believe Trace can think. (laughs) That's the big thing. He's like, no one will read my paper on trees. I swear to you, Treebeard was real. (laughs) That's what started him down this path. He was in (laughs) Fangorn Forest or whatever, and... 
Is that the forest it was? I don't remember which forest yeah, that, it was. Yeah, that, that was it. Yeah, okay. you got it. Nice. I know my Tolkien or something. And then we get Joe's uh, least favorite chapter of uh, the, the what was it, the Tetralogy of, cha- of chapters? Is that what, what it was? <laughs> that that, that oh, is no. an appropriate term, yeah. Sure. Okay. It's just, you know, it, there's a lot of Ellen being like, hmm, how am I going to King better? And then it's like Vin shows up and it's like, oh, hey, how's it going, honey? And then... I don't know. Ham shows up, which is all right, but there's not a lot going on in this chapter. <laughs> there's not Thank a lot of third wheels. <laughs> You're not wrong. There's not a lot going on. Ellen is trying to draft a proposal to the assembly and has been working on it for some time, apparently. 24 men, but getting them to agree on anything was almost more challenging than any of the other problems, yeah. which I buy that. That does seem like a lot of people. I, yeah. Yeah. I don't know for the whole city. Might make sense. Yeah, I, and I honestly I wouldn't have minded this chapter so much, but I maybe it was just because I didn't enjoy reading it, but it felt like the longest of the four chapters we read, and I'm like nothing's happening. They're just talking about stuff, and it's like I didn't feel like we were getting super important plot points. Besides, I think my favorite part of the third chapter is the letter he gets from his dad. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Yeah. That that is a good letter. Yeah, it is in fact the longest of the four chapters. Just uh, in case you were wondering. By about like twenty five percent. We do get we do get the mist monster. Oh yeah, yeah. When when Vin comes in, uh, let's, that's let's, true. Let's go to there. He's just he's he's very introspective and thinking about the assembly and about Vin killing uh, these guys. And he wants to he wants to talk to his dad. He's trying to like get the assembly to agree not to surrender the city until he's at least had a chance to negotiate. <laughs> Which I guess it seems fair. Uh, you don't get the impression that he has very strong powers as king from the fact that he needs to convince them of this. Uh, let's see. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, maybe I get the impression that basically, like, uh, kind of what we figured at the end of the last book is that some of these people who are now a part of this assembly probably thought, yeah, we'll let this Ellen, we'll let Ellen be king. We could probably manipulate him. And now he's actually proving himself to be somewhat of good at the bureaucracy stuff and they're kind of like oh well now we gotta try to try to depose him or uh take this stuff out of his hands because he's kind of going up against what we want to do yeah really i think we know that anytime you put a bunch of people into this political situation and give them some power they're gonna be arguing with each other constantly that is the nature of the thing he just has never experienced that before because there was no one in power in the final empire except for the lord ruler and his cronies Vin comes in, she's tired, she's killed some assassins today and done her rounds and things, and she doesn't think that the Watcher wants to kill Elend necessarily, but she's concerned about him, which she probably should be. There's a mysterious dude running around your city who knows more than he should know. Vin is very introspective for a while there. It's kind of, it's it's kind of, uh, what do you call it, a lot of... Uh, exposition. exposition. Yes, this it's kind of a lot of exposition through everybody's what everybody's thinking ellen exposits to let us know how the new government kind of works vin exposits in her own head to let us know uh the status of the more alimantic and fighty side of what's been going on with all the assassination attempts and things i guess you know you need that we're picking a story up like Mm -hmm. what's happened in a year so we need to know right what what's happened since we last saw everyone where do we stand now so you gotta do it somehow yeah, I agree. I think it's important. It's just I can see why Joe's like, eh, it's not all that interesting. It's a lot of setup, kind of, and a lot of explanation, a lot of telling. 
uh, she thinks about when she fought the Lord Ruler and how she drew upon the mists to fuel her allomancy, but she hasn't been able to do that again. She's like, why can I do these weird things? I don't understand. And there's some more like, oh, Kelsier. If only Kelsier were here. I don't think Kelsier would be very good at running the Empire or either, or this kingdom, whatever you want to call it. Nope. We know from Ellen's ex positional thinking here that uh, basically the final empire has broken apart into a bunch of like smaller kingdoms that are warring with each other and such. So uh, of course Straff is the first one to march an army on the central dominance and Luthadel, but they're all out there fighting. And yet Kelsier, this is not his, his deal. He would have left like Doxin to be in charge of the day to day. If he was here, he'd be off doing something weird. And this is where she sees the mysterious mist thingy. She senses it with her bronze first. She's like, oh, somebody's burning metal here. Who is it? What are they burning? I can't quite tell. Until she realizes it is a figure made of mist, which, hey, we've heard about one of those before. We know somebody else who saw one of those a long, a time, long time ago. Yeah. And it was practicing at stabbing. Yeah, see, that one was kind of stabby, so maybe she should watch out a little bit. <laughs> of course, she also read that uh, that recount, so... She should know this. Well, she did, but also that was a year ago and a lot's happened. Do you remember every book you read last year? Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. I have good reads to help me with that. Vin doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and even then, it's like, do you remember every little detail about the stuff that you read? Because like, that only got mentioned for like a paragraph, and then they and then the story moved on. Well, in, in his actual journal, I guess it got mentioned a few times, because it's like, first he's seeing it, and he's like, am I crazy? What is this thing? And then later uh, on, it's yeah, like, yeah, oh, the, the thing he stabbed so-and-so, so at least I know that I'm not crazy, because somebody else saw it and got stabbed by it. So it's mentioned a couple times in there. Yeah. So, but, so, but see, we only read that a couple months ago. I didn't, I didn't remember all the details. <laughs> <laughs> and now we get to what I agree is probably the best part of the chapter, where Straff Venture, King Straff Venture, in his signature, has sent a letter saying, Son, I trust you enjoyed seeing after Venture interest in Luthadel. I've secured the Northern Dominance and will shortly be returning to our keep. You may turn over control of the city to me at that time. But he's very succinct and condescending. It's very typical. He's, he's like expecting his disappointment of a son to just go along with what he's saying. It's like, yeah, yeah, you may, you may return the city to me. Yes, I will accept it from you. <laughs> Dickhead. So apparently, apparently he's like uh, controls the northern dominance according to that, or he has secured the northern dominance. So he's got a fair amount of power. And uh, if some of the theories from last time are correct, he may be holding on to the Adium, which could make a big difference here now that we are out of it in the central dominance. And I just I, I got to go back to the annotations for a second here, because this is uh, something Brandon talks about that is a fun contrast to kind of what we were talking about a minute ago. But uh he says that the second half of this chapter, where Vin and Ellen are chatting, is where the book finally starts to feel good to me. I'm mostly just expositing, reminding you of what happened in book one, and I can get into more showing of character rather than... Oh, I'm sorry. He says, I'm mostly past the exposition of the first half of this chapter, and I can get into more showing you of characters instead of reminding you of past events. But he says he really likes Ellen and Vin's relationship. It's one that really shouldn't work, but for some reason, they get along so well in my head... I doubt that they could explain it either, but the two fit together in a very strange opposites attract kind of way. So he likes this relationship between the two of them. I don't know if you guys feel the same way that it's uh, it's weird and doesn't seem like it should work. But uh, Ellen is thinking in this chapter that it took him some time to get used to Vin's dot 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 idiosyncrasies, but he really likes her a lot. I think it works just like because he, he's not the 
typical nerdy guy in love with this in love with a powerful woman she's not a stereotypical you know buff powerful woman like she is strong in her own right but she's a fully developed character so their little playing off each other works really well in that regard i think just because they're fleshed out enough to not be stereotypes which is what you normally see when it's a really strong woman and a, and a nerdy guy in a relationship it's mm, a fair point i hadn't thought of it that way <laughs> so they start talking she's like have you seen anything weird tonight and he's like besides you Uh, And she tells him that the Watcher is back in town, but she does not think that he's going to come after Ellen. And he's like, what makes you say that? And she says, I just feel that he won't. And Ellen is thinking that that's kind of how Vin operates. She operates on feeling and instinct and trusts that part of her, as opposed to him who thinks and overthinks everything, basically. And then she tries to tell him about the weird mist thing that she saw and he's just like okay so you're pushing yourself too hard and you need to nap so i don't know if he's read uh the uh account from last time the uh the hero's journal but uh he doesn't seem to think that it's a real thing whatever she has seen yeah uh, we find out that he proposed marriage and she refused which is a little note in there but hey man together, which is something yeah, yeah. Hey, man, I understand you want to have options. You don't want to be tied down. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if I was, what, she's probably 17 at this point. If I was 17, I might be like, you know, I don't really want to be married right now. Thank you, though. (laughs) I think you're right. I think she turned 17 last book, so if it's been a year, she's probably about 18 now. But, yeah. It's like I've always wanted to travel first before I settle down, you know? (laughs) (laughs) She did a lot of travel. Yeah, you know. I'm going to go see the Well of Ascension, maybe, and, uh, you know, just check <laughs> so, some stuff out. Check out the Southern Islands. No one ever talks about them. It's true. You yeah. don't hear a lot about that. Maybe they're nice. Plus, let, let, let me just see how you work things out with your dad before I just hop on that uh, marriage train with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's like having you as a husband? Sure. Having him as a father-in-law? Nah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other can of worms. Yeah, and it's like, I don't know, I feel better about killing your dad if I'm your girlfriend as opposed to killing him <laughs> if I'm your wife, you know? She already killed his god, so... Yeah, yeah, he he didn't really like that, that guy. Yeah. Nobody liked that guy, it's fine. He doesn't like his dad either, though, so... No, but it's a bit more personal yeah. there. Right, that's, and he's not fair. quite as murderous against his dad, you know? Probably not. I don't think he knows how to handle his dad. He's, I think he's been dreading having to confront his dad at some point. I like Ellen's line here that women are difficult are difficult enough to understand, and I had to go and pick the oddest one of the lot. Probably everybody thinks that. Just, uh, that's... I'm uh, not going to comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, staying out of that one. Uh-huh, yeah. You all know. <laughs> Everyone out there knows. It's okay. So it turns out that Kelsier left behind six beads of adium. That was all they had, and they went through that. They also got – and this is uh, – I'm going to point it out just because it's actually something that comes up way later uh, that is relevant – not even really relevant as a side note. But they found the Lord Ruler's bracers, the ones that Vin knocked out the window that killed the Lord Ruler basically, and they melted those down to get the adium out of them, which apparently there wasn't much. But they spent all that to buy stuff for the city. And – Vin's like, hey, if another Mistborn comes, I won't be able to kill him. And Ellen's like, well, yeah, if they had Adium, but everybody's running out of Adium now. It's an interesting point, because we know the pits of Hathsin are toast. So everybody has however much Adium they had, basically, 
when that happened or however much they can find since then. Unless someone has found the Lord Ruler's cache of Adium, then it's probably really is getting rarer and rarer every moment. So eventually she might be fine unless Strathbench's army have got it. Mm-hmm. Although, yeah, or maybe there's another cave with uh, with Adium geodes in a different dominance. I mean, I think we proved pretty pretty um, pretty concisely in the last book that the Lord Ruler is certainly not omniscient. So maybe somebody mm-hmm. has discovered another pit with Adium geodes uh, that is active. That would suck for our friends. Yep. You have to figure, regardless. If there's a new source, if anyone is going to send a Mistborn to attack Vin, the, the the one who's now famous for having killed the Lord Ruler, they're going to send some Adium. If they have it, I guess. But it'd, yeah. be weird to, it'd be weird to send a Mistborn against her, especially since other people don't know she doesn't have Adium. It'd be weird to send your Mistborn, your most valuable piece, basically, in there and be like, no, it's fine. They probably have Adium and you don't, but go ahead and try. You probably go would ahead. not. Go ahead. Flip that coin. <laughs> You're probably not going to pick that fight if you can avoid it, basically. Yeah. And she makes an interesting point that selling the metal actually puts a the most world's most dangerous weapon into other people's hands, whoever they have sold it to. Which, yeah, you might should have thought of that before you sold it, but I guess they needed enough food to feed people for the winter, so what are you going to do? And we get into the discussion where Vin's like, why don't you just tell the Assembly they have to accept your proposal? You're the king. And Helen's like, now you see... That's what I'm trying to prove here. Maybe my opinion isn't better than theirs. If we all work together, then it'll come out better. Which is a very uh, nice approach to being king, I guess. <laughs> I- idealistic. Yeah, that's that's a word for it. How well do you think that's going to work out for him? I don't know. How long before Dad comes to town? Well, Dad's Dad's waiting outside town right now, apparently, with his army. Yeah. So, so about yeah. that long, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't think he's got the time... Uh, or the persuasive skills that he thinks he has in this situation. Uh, things are going to start moving faster than he's really able to react. Yeah, that would make sense. I think, I think too, while he's he's looking for a democracy and, you know, everyone's heard, everyone has their say, we got to do this as a community, sometimes you just need someone who's decisive. And, you know, the Lord Ruler went one way, you can equally dangerously go the other way. So I think... He's going to learn some hard lessons probably pretty quickly. Yeah, and there's – I mean, that's a really good point is you can go too far the other way. And there's there's also an aspect to it that while he's read all these political theories and he has this idea about this everyone getting their say society, nobody else is familiar with that concept even because everyone else has just lived under the Lord Ruler for the last thousand years. So it's going to be a weird thing to be selling to everyone. I feel like, but you know, maybe, I don't know. We haven't actually met the assembly yet, so maybe they're all really nice and we'll agree to his plan. We don't know how the assembly's even selected actually at this point. So maybe he picked them. He handpicked these assemblymen to work with him. Didn't you say they were elected? Did it say that? I may have said it. I don't know if it said it in the chapter. Uh. <laughs> and Vin is like, no, you're different from the Lord ruler. Cause he was bad and you're good. So you should just do what you want. And Ellen's like, well, some of us have to make it more complicated than that. You'll have to humor us. <laughs> and yeah, they're, it's it's a cute moment between the two of them, their little relationship and uh, their very different outlooks on things that we see kind of interacting here. 
And he tells her she needs to get some rest, so she curls up on the rug beside his desk like a puppy. And she's like, I'm not leaving you alone. There's a Mistborn out there somewhere, so I'm going to rest right here. It's very sweet. You you missed the bit that's like, she's chucked on the perfume, and he's just like, when did you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he's like, when did did she put that on? This is just another contradiction of the woman who calls herself Vin. She apparently loves wearing scents, it says. Well, I think it's like, it's it's a quick and easy little thing she can do to make herself nice for him without having to go all the way of changing her clothes and stuff. So it's like, it's it's easier to do that. So she's still making herself nice doing something that she likes and she knows Ellen likes without having to go to all the effort of, oh yeah, I've got to change all my clothes just to do that as well. It's like, she can, you know, she can do nice things on the fly without interfering with, without having to take too much time out of her protective duties. Yeah. And I, I think it's also a callback to the first book where, like the first thing she really notices that she, that has changed about her is she's like, oh, I like to smell nice now. Like I like smelling not like I like having a smell because at first when she got in the bath, she's like, what's with all these perfumes? But like that's mm-hmm. one of the first things that changes. is She actually likes to smell nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like that the book says she gets annoyed if he doesn't notice when she's trying out a new one. It's a very cute little relationship thing. Yeah, it's like she's. Despite the fact that she's basically always on as the bodyguard and assassin protector, she still has the little things that she likes to do and the things that make her feel like, I'm doing this because I enjoy it. But I, I agree, it's definitely a callback to the first book because that scent thing is brought up repeatedly there. So it's it's a nice connection. And then we get Ham. Ham shows up and Ellen says, Marjorie is going to kill you for working late again. I don't think we ever learned anything about his family. We learned he had a family in the previous book, but I'm pretty sure this is the first time his wife's name is mentioned. And I guess they've moved into Luthadel since uh, they, they took over. So it's nice that Ham gets to spend time with his family now. Yeah. He agreed to, to be captain of Ellen's guard on the condition that he would never have to wear a uniform. Same old Ham. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Ham, you are a treasure, and we want to keep you like you are. This guy. He's awesome. Uh, yeah. Clearly, this is foreshadowing his demise. Oh, Tear. Not Ham. I mean, okay, if some of the crew wasn't going to make it through this book or through the trilogy, who would you think it would be that we would lose? I'm still surprised Clubs made it through the last book, so... <laughs> Like, we just don't get much of clubs beyond, like, having the house they were all operating out of. He hasn't really done that much that we've seen, so... Well, so he can't die. We need to find out more about him. Yeah, I guess. Anybody else? Anybody else who is a good candidate for dying to prove the seriousness of the situation? Uh, I guess I already said Ham, so I'll stick with Ham. Okay. Yeah, well, given the fact that he's the only one, aside from Vin, that we've really seen so far... Mm-hmm. That's true. Most of the others are gone or something, I guess. Coral Breeze and Spook are gone. We just haven't seen Docs, and he's around here somewhere. Presumably so is Clubs. Well, and we saw Orsur. Uh, yeah, but I don't know if I count him as part of the crew. <laughs> I mean, as, as as Lord Renew, he felt like part of the crew in the last book, I feel like. He's not Lord Renew anymore, so I can see why you wouldn't. Well, he... Even then, though, like during the planning sessions he sat in, sat in on, he didn't really do much or volunteer much information. He was just like, tell me what to do. All right, I'm doing it. That's true. He has his contract. Like, Sp- Spook contributed more than he did. <laughs> he I'm sorry, Jamie. We interrupted uh, you. What were you saying? No, that's okay. I was trying to think of like what would be a difficult role for Vin to step into. 
she's done a little bit of all the other other allomancy, um, I guess, except really for working with clubs. But if there was somewhere that she had to step into that was a bit odd, it may even be Dachshunds. Ooh, like, that, w- that would be hard for her to do, yeah. She doesn't yeah. like to read. Reading is not her thing. <laughs> no. Ellen might be a able to help. Yeah, true. Okay, but up to now... Vin and Ellen and the crew, I guess, had been thinking that this was a hit squad sent by Straff, which makes sense. It's the same night that Straff's army shows up and this squad of Alamancers comes to try to kill them. But it turns out that these are not Straff's people. They are from the West. Mm. And they may, according to Ham, they may be working for a man named Ashwater, Ashweather, rather, Set, one of the men who has set himself up as a king in the Western Dominance. Who names their kid Ashweather? That's just a good question. Just a comment on the environment. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it kind of is, yeah. That's, I hadn't thought of it that way, actually. <laughs> it's like, oh, yes, I'll just name my, my son Cloud Sky or something. <laughs> but apparently, according to Ellen at least, even though they never found the Lord Ruler's Adium, everyone else assumes that they did and that they're hiding it somewhere. So... That's not a great position to be in, that you have the most valuable treasure in the world, except you don't, but everyone thinks you do, and they're going to come and try to take it from you. So that's that's quite unfortunate, actually. Yeah, you know, they never said it was going to be easy. <laughs> 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 Who never said? Uh, Kelsier. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> he, he, got, he got himself killed before he had to be involved in this part, so. Yeah, I really think he took the easy way out on this one. Yeah. Well, and he gets to be remembered as, like, uh, uh, the hero. He saved everybody. Well, I mean, even Vin was thinking in the previous chapter, just like, yeah, he did all that stuff, and then he left us with this. God damn it. Yeah. And I like Ham is like, at least your father didn't send the assassins. And Ellen's like, it, that wouldn't stop him, the fact that he's my dad. That has nothing to do with it. Yeah. Which, yeah, I believe that, based on what we've seen of Straff. Well, I think the important thing is Ellen recognizes that. That you're right. That is very important, right. actually. Yeah, I mean, he was trying to get him killed in the last book. Obviously, he doesn't care if his son dies. I don't know that Ellen actually knows that the, the the part about his dad being kind of in on the hit on him, but uh, that doesn't stop well, him from understanding. I feel like Vin probably would have brought that up at some point. They just you know out on out on a little date night, and then Vin goes, "So, did you know your dad tried to kill you? What? Mm, <laughs> good point. Good thought. Yep." But Ellen wants to get the crew together, uh, Kel- uh, however many of them are still in town, to come up with a plan. And uh, I like Ellen's like, the assembly's a mess, half a dozen warlords with superior armies breathing down our neck, barely a month passes without someone sending assassins to kill me, and the woman I love is slowly driving me insane. And Ham is like, oh, is that all? See, it's not so bad. We could be facing an immortal god and his all-powerful priests. Which, okay, yeah. He, that's not an unfair statement, actually. <laughs> yeah. The, the end of uh, the Josley's favorite chapter, which leaves us with one remaining chapter. Uh, chapter four starts out, perhaps they're right, perhaps I'm mad or jealous or simply daft. My name is Quan, philosopher, scholar, traitor. I'm the one who discovered Alendi. Hey, we have a name for that guy now. He's not just yeah, the hero. Alendi. <laughs> Alendi. That's so I, much I gotta, better than Ashweather. Oh, yeah. No. Of course, they didn't have Ash Weather back then, as far as we know. So. Fine. It's, 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 it's so much better than 
I don't know. What's the weather we had here? Um, Thundersnow? Thundersnow. <laughs> that was a thing on the weekend. Uh, but I have to say, you have no idea how difficult it was for me when we're reading all the things and talking about who this guy is who wrote the epigraphs in the first book. I kept almost saying, and then Alendi says, oh, wait, we don't know that guy's name yet, so I cannot say that. <laughs> Good job, you. Uh, yeah, well. So we know from the previous book that Quan is the one who discovered Alendi and declared him the hero of ages, and he kind of repeats it here. He's like, I'm the one who first said this. I'm the one who started this all. Well, I guess it's kind of true. Like, he set everything in motion uh, by finding this guy and declaring that he was the hero of ages. Except for, presumably, whatever the deepness was, I assume that that was not his fault. But yeah. maybe. We don't know yet. <laughs> he seems really bitter about it. And, and uh, yeah, but it's not, like, in the previous epigraphs, he was bitter. And from what Alendi's journal was saying in the previous book, it's like, yeah, he was really angry about it. And this one, it's only in this epigraph that he kind of just, like, yeah, look, you know what? I'm the one who said this, and now I'm angry that people believe me. But that's my bad. <laughs> I like that he acknowledges. He's like, okay, yeah, maybe I am crazy or jealous or whatever. Maybe they're right, but so on. And we should we'll see more of that as we go. Yeah. But we cut away from Luthadel, and we go out to find out what's going on with Sazed, who is out in the Eastern Dominance, trying to help villagers learn how to do stuff. Of course, at this moment, he is uh, standing over a dead guy, and everyone's trying to explain to him what happened to this guy. He's out in his field all alone. And uh, in this chapter, we have Says doing CSI. He kind of is a little bit, yeah. Except that yeah. most of most of what he can do is interview this one guy who's like, yeah, you know, old Jed. <laughs> he's. Uh... Yeah, this is the same guy who was scared of the mystery saw the Ruth. He's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I was I was watching him, and he just kind of started freaking out, and he fell over. It was the mists, I tell you, the mists. I saw them yeah. during the day. I seen it. I seen it with my own eyes. <laughs> Them mist blotted out the sun, even though we can't really see much of the sun, so we saw even less of it then. Yes. <laughs> and I don't know where you got these ideas with your funny religions. We don't <laughs> care about all that. Give us the Lord Ruler back. That's what we need. I, I can't read about old Jed without thinking about uh, the Beverly Hillbillies, so it totally fits. <laughs> <laughs> Texas tea. Okay, so... <laughs> so he's like, y'all gonna help me dig this grave? And this guy's just like, nah, I ain't so good at the digger no more. I got lumbago. <laughs> hey, hold on, let me get the boy. Boy, come over here and help him dig this hole. Oh, Pa, I don't want to dig no more. Now, I told you, boy, you're going to do what I tell you. Get over there and oh. dig that hole. But, Pa, what if I dig up some sort of mist monster? Then it takes my soul. Uh, what did I tell you, boy? I don't care if it takes your face, damn it. I just <laughs> care if it takes mine. We really are back to the possums <laughs> at this point. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Like I told you, boy, I earn off of this face. You don't earn shit. <laughs> Oh, pa, I told you, the pimples will clear up in a few days. <laughs> well, boy, you come back when they do. Maybe I'll have some work for you. <laughs> this, this took a weird turn, and I don't know if I approve at all of where this is going. <laughs> it's, it's just the domestic life of these two guys that really can't stand each other. You thought Ellen and Strap had a bad father-son yeah. relationship? Check out these two. Yeah, he's like, I'll just tell you, I want the monster to take your face. I want it. I want it to happen. 
Se- secretly, the dad is jealous that the son looks better than him. Yeah. Uh, wow, Dana, I'm not sure we need it on this podcast anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you guys just—it'll—it'll it'll be. We don't, you, know. you guys don't even have names, but it'll be a great podcast about the two of them. <laughs> just join in; it's fine. Oh, good lord. Okay. One, so. one of you can be like like cousin Bill Groff or something. <laughs> yeah. So we got a dead guy. <laughs> Apparently, the mists, as as were mentioned in in this uh, performance, <laughs> this one person reports that the mists were out during the day, at the same time that this guy fell over, convulsing and died. Yeah. So there's uh, something going on there. <clears throat> yeah. It's uh it's very law and order, you know. Says looks at him, he's like. Man, and I thought it was hard for me to breathe. And the music kicks in. It's like dun 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 dun. <laughs> and uh, Sage really is kind of trying to. He's like, well, I, I'm looking in my metal minds, and there are some things that'll kill you, like with convulsions, but usually not that fast, and so on and so forth. And then uh, he just digs this guy's grave. He's like, somebody get me a shovel. And nobody helps. They just stand there and watch while he uses some of his pewter to <laughs> dig a grave. <laughs> uh, women children old men they just watch yeah and he and he mentions that there's not a lot of uh, young healthy men left in this town they've all been uh conscripted by roving warlords basically who are fighting over the scraps of the final empire yeah basically it's become mad max out there in the wilds <laughs> it kind of has you beat me to it damn it <laughs> Which, uh, I mean, this is the downside of what our heroes did in the last book. They very nobly went and took down the tyrant, and everything got way worse for a lot of people. To the point that these guys are like, when is the Lord Ruler coming back, please? <laughs> <laughs> I like how Says doesn't be, doesn't tell them, like, no, he's dead. He he, he like He's like, I don't think he's coming back. Uh, I don't <laughs> I, think that's I don't... going to happen. I do not believe that he will. <laughs> yeah. And then why did he abandon us? It is a time of change. Perhaps it's also time to learn of older truths and other ways. But nobody cares. Like, yeah. He's 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 got these funeral rites that he gives and he has all these religions that he's memorized to give back to the people once the Lord Ruler is gone. And nobody actually cares because they want to eat. Which is when we get to the end of the chapter, he's like, "Okay, no, there's more practical things that I can teach you. Come on, let's go. Let's let's learn about irrigation and uh, stuff." Yeah, let me People, teach you how I'm to gonna, farm. I'm going to show you how to build an aqueduct. I feel like that probably wouldn't like long term be that great because it would get all ash in it. But I don't know. Well, no, what water doesn't at this point? That's a fair point, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These these people are like 32% ash anyway. They probably are, yeah. Uh, he says like a, a, a prayer and uh, buries like a branch on this guy from this religion. And somebody's like, what, what are you what are you doing? Why'd you why'd you do that thing? And he goes, oh, it's a it's a religious ceremony, Goodman tour, if you please. There's a prayer that should accompany it. And he's like, something from the Steel Ministry? No, not from the Steel Ministry. No. He's like, I could teach you about this religion if you want, and that's when somebody's like, when's the Lord Ruler coming back? <laughs> <laughs> and there's int- an interesting thing in the annotations for this chapter also, because he's uh, he says that this is his favorite 
uh, mechanic of the Say's chapters here is that the peasants don't really care about the stuff that he wants to teach them. The keepers were an important element of the first book, people who worked hard to memorize things of the past and keep them safe for the day when the Lord Ruler died. This is in part a nod to Fahrenheit 451. However, there's also a bit of arrogance to that organization. They have truth, they keep the truth for everyone else, and they are the ones who will bring it gloriously back to the people, supposedly. But in this book, I wanted that glorious return to be underwhelming for the keepers. A group of scholars wouldn't, I think, even have considered that no one would care about the things that they researched and memorized. I think convincing people to learn is much more difficult than memorizing the information in the first place. So, yeah. Totally, totally get that, but also it's like, I, mm-hmm. I, I think it just shows a bit of Say's character where like he's starting to have that realization. And then he goes, well, you know what? I still know some stuff that's going to help you, so let's go teach you that. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't exactly call Says the missionary, but I feel like that's what a lot of missionaries and religions do. It's like they they go to a place, they teach the people how to have, live a better life, like physically, and then they work on like the spiritual side. So maybe that's he's kind of trying to do both, but he realizes during that conversation, well, we got to start somewhere. I guess I'm going to start with teaching you guys actually how to live and on your own, and then we'll get to that other stuff maybe. Yeah, I know the the like Mormon missionaries that you know go out as part of their their whole thing and kind of try to preach to people. A big part of their thing is like service to people, and they'll yeah help out with anything basically that people need help with in addition to what they're trying to do. Right, yeah. and there's also like a lot of missions go someplace to build like an industry. Uh, like they'll start factories in a place to give people jobs, or they'll teach them how to grow coffee and sell the coffee any anything basically to improve their lives and then the other stuff comes after and you know says just wants to help but he's always had the the thing where he's like trying to get these religions out there and so he's probably there in the first place helping them do other kind of stuff anyway right and it's just in this moment when a religious matter comes up he's like oh by the way i could teach you about this also, in addition to whatever else we're doing, and they're just like, eh, but no, maybe. But he's a nice <laughs> guy. I'm sure he just wants to help, however he can help. That is, uh, that's the end of the chapter, that he has more practical things he can teach them. So, anybody have any kind of last thoughts on this one before we move into our predigments section? Not so much on this bit with says, but something that occurred to me as just as we were Getting on in the chapter we were talking about earlier, we mentioned that mm-hmm. the crew as a whole, you know, we said, oh, you know, Breeze is off somewhere, Spook is out, Doxon's thing. We left someone out there. Uh, we didn't talk about Marsh. We don't Ooh. know where he is at this point, at this stage. The only time he got mm. mentioned was when Vin says Marsh is one of the only ones who knows what she can do with copper clouds. So I think his absence, now that I think about it, is actually a bit conspicuous. Yeah, you're right. I just searched for Marsh, and there are only two mentions of Marsh in this section that we read, and they're both a lot, uh, about Marsh confirms that Steel Inquisitors can also pierce copper clouds, which I think we kind of knew, but we have confirmation Yay. now. And uh, she mentions that so far Vin hadn't left anyone alive, save Ellen and Marsh, who knew of her strange power, which is a weird way of putting that and kind of hardcore, yeah. but I liked it. <laughs> so yeah, I wonder what is going on with our old buddy Marsh. Lord Spikeface. Yeah, maybe he's still hanging around, you know, uh, running the ministry. That's what he was doing at the end of the last one, right? So well, that, that was that was his whole yeah. mission. He's like getting inducted to take over the steel ministry. 
Yeah, or he may be hunting out, uh, hunting down the other Inquisitors one by one. Possibly. Ooh, like Magneto Nazi Hunter? Oh, sick. <laughs> <laughs> Magneto Nazi Hunter, new band name, I call it. <laughs> but that's a good I, that's a good point i hadn't really even thought about marsh because for most of the last book he wasn't like involved in normal crew stuff because he was either oh yeah we're getting marsh later or he was off to infiltrate the ministry he was never like day-to-day crew stuff yeah so uh, slipped my mind yeah i'm just like uh what's what's he up to because like if yeah his whole thing was he took over the steel ministry so presumably he would stay in the city but the other Inquisitors would probably be a threat to that, so maybe he has to leave the city and go hunt them down. Yeah, we we just don't know. Mm. I guess we will see if and when he pops back into the story. At some yeah. point, there's going to be like, oh, and by the way, Marsh died. It was very sad. <laughs> we already that's... did that once. <laughs> I was just that's that, that's the way they would handle it on like a TV show where the character didn't want to come or the actor didn't want to come back. They're like, oh yeah, and so and so died. It sucked. <laughs> Poochie died on the way to his home planet. He did. Poor Poochie. <laughs> they just have to make sure they can never bring him back to the show. <laughs> okay. That was, that's a good call out. Anybody else? Anything else about these chapters before we move on? No. Okay. Well, let us move into predicaments. Who's got some predictions about where we are going from here? The last predictions panned out pretty quickly, which also happened at the beginning of the last book. So maybe it's a, it's a pattern. I've been thinking a lot about these uh, mist monster things. I think it's a little, probably a little bit early to tell at the moment in most predictions, but my first thought was that maybe these were like spirits of powerful elements or something. There's something in the mist that is terrifying to some people, but only some people can actually tap into it or feel it or experience it you know Vin so far as what well, Vin and um who we now know is Elendi are the only ones who've sort of seen that and I was thinking uh, Elendi probably wasn't an Alamancer we still don't really know I guess when that was created mm-hmm. um, it's true but yeah I guess one of my thoughts was maybe you know if these were powerful elements if Alamancy already existed you know maybe these are like the spirits you know they can be good they can be bad this this one seems to have been trying to communicate with vin in some way and i was like maybe maybe it's kelsia in there if that's what they could do but i guess it really comes down to Ooh. how they actually come about but yeah, that was going to be my prediction is that the mist monster is the spirit of kelsia Interesting. Uh, the, the, specifically the one that vin saw well yeah yeah i think there's I, more but yeah I assume you. I assumed you didn't mean he. He also time traveled back and like stabbed, <laughs> stabbed that guy for some reason. Yeah, no. There's more of them, but this one in particular is trying to communicate with her. So that's my interesting prediction. Okay. Like a force ghost type deal. Yeah, yeah. But with yeah, the I mean, mists. Vin, tonight you'll be visited by three ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> you must go to the Dagobah system. Find Gemmel. <laughs> no, don't, don't find Gemmel. It's fine. Uh, but yeah. that is interesting. I, I wonder, I'm trying to think now. I mean, we don't know that much about Elendi's story way back when. So if there was somebody with like a personal attachment to him in that same way that could have been a spirit, I guess we wouldn't really know it at this point. Maybe more about that would come out if that turned out to be the case. Hmm. 
But that's interesting, yeah. Because, I mean, presumably, if this one is Kelsier, then he's got, like, you know, attachment to Vin. He's trying to communicate with Vin. The one that was trying to communicate with Elendi would be doing so for a similar reason. Huh. Yeah, perhaps he just, yeah, I mean, Vin's in the position that she can detect, like, through a copper cloud. And so maybe she can experience this. But Elendi, mm-hmm. obviously, they could see some kind of mist around. But, you know, if he wasn't an Alamancer or something, he wouldn't have been able to feel this presence and not know what it was. But... I think Vin's going to be in a position that she's going to be able to understand what this is over time. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. She she can feel stuff with her bronze and better than most people, so she would be the best one positioned, unless I guess you count Steel Inquisitors, uh, to feel <laughs> and figure out what that is. That's a, that's a good thought. Okay, other other predictions. Anybody? So, um, I've got a couple. First and foremost, I think the Watcher is Gemmel. I think Ooh. he... Ooh. I think he you know, has heard, like, he's seen the king, the kingdom go to shit, and he sort of, I don't know, maybe something Kelsey has said at one point, like, has sort of given him the idea. It's like, oh, I think I know what's going on. And then he's come down, and he's found, I think he's he, he's probably twigged to the fact that Kelsey had trained Vin or something, and he's now keeping an eye on her, testing her, and seeing, it's like, all right, let's see what you can do. And that's why he keeps appearing to her, but then ducking off again to sort of, like, you know, pique her interest. Mm. Yeah, I feel, uh, yeah. I, I just like all right. The Watcher. I feel like it's got to be someone we know, like and and because they're Mistborn, that narrows down the list of candidates, or at least you know people that we know are Mistborn. <laughs> yeah, you're you're not wrong. We yeah. don't know a lot of those. <laughs> yeah. Although yeah. having 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 said that, we might know plenty of people who are Mistborn, but we don't know they're Mistborn yet. So oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Like like Shan. Shan's dead, Maybe. so it's definitely not her. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there'd be a little more confrontation if there was. Yeah, I think uh, Shan would not be saving. I I think my only thought about that deck is like, I feel like if it really was Gemmel, he would be more confrontational. He wouldn't skulk in the shadows, but maybe we don't know enough about his character to make that assessment. Yeah, I mean, we really only saw him that once in that short story interacting with Kelsia, which was some time ago. So maybe something's changed and he thinks, you know what, I'm going to, yeah, maybe he learned from Kelsia as much as Kelsia learned from him. So he changed his outlook or something. Maybe he's become more sane. Well, I guess she wouldn't have to go to the Dagobah system to find him if uh, that was the case. That would save her a trip, so that's good. Maybe, maybe you stay in Luthadel. If you're thinking about the Watcher being someone that we know, maybe Marsh has figured out a way to remove his spikes, and maybe he's the Watcher. Ooh. Ooh. That's also a possibility. I would think he would definitely not hide from her in the shadows, then. <laughs> It's like, Marsh, why are you doing that? I just wanted to feel like mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting point. Like, what, what reason would Marsh have to hide? He's like, well, you know, know how my brother was super dramatic? I just feel like somebody should carry on that legacy. <laughs> <laughs> Vin does not have the same sense of drama. It's true. She mm. doesn't have grand entrances and exits. She, she really didn't pick up that much from Kelsier, clearly. And that's why she's alive and he's dead. Yeah, that's... That contributes, probably, yeah. Well, like we say she doesn't have dramatic entrances. She busts into the Lord Ruler's chamber by, like, smashing his window and just like, I'm here, bitches! That's true. That was a very dramatic entrance that we had to jump into, like, a Steel Inquisitor perspective to appreciate. So that's yeah. a good point. Um, but yeah, so that's my prediction. I don't know how Gemmel is going to, if it is Gemmel, going to test her and stop being the Watcher and stop being the doer. But yeah, I, that's that's who I think is hiding under that mask. My other prediction involves Orasur, 
just because there is that sort of conflict between between him and Vin at this stage, and he's banging on about the contract, and he's like, the contract, the contract, the contract. I have a sneaking suspicion that at some point in this book, it might be pretty soon, that contract's going to run out. Mm. And so he's, he's going to be like, yeah, I don't need to serve you anymore unless you can give me some more radium. And then they're just like, oh, shit, we don't have any more. And he's like, well, catch you later. Your problem. <laughs> and then... And then, yeah, he goes and he finds whoever has the Atium stash and, like, all right, I work for you now. Because um, it's the only place he can get it, so. It really seems like she needs to read a copy of this contract uh, to know what this deal is. Yeah, I, I, yeah, just the fact that he was going on about it so much, I was like, we don't know what the contract is. We just know Kelsia bought it. When does it expire? So, yeah, uh, I have a bad feeling that Orisaur is, gonna, Orisaur is not going to hang around for a while. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, we know so little about that contract that it's entirely possible it could run out at any moment. They could be in the middle of a fight and it runs out and the uh, the guy she's fighting is like, hey, I'll buy your contract now. That would be unfortunate. Ugh. It's like, you know that Adium you're holding on to for her? I'll take that. Of course, it's too late for that now, but yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. Okay. These th- these are also interesting predictions. I like, uh, I like where this is... Uh, where this is headed, I, I like the idea of uh, Gemmel. I, I, I don't like the idea of Gemmel being less crazy because he was so much fun as crazy guy. That but I would love this, to see this could him, be him being crazy. Like he, he's just like I'm so crazy, I'm gonna skulk around on the rooftops <laughs> and wear a hood and you know, just just Batman my way around. Yeah, and that's what he says as he does. He's like I'm so crazy. <laughs> I I did also have on that on this topic like that this is the dumbest prediction so this is not one to be taken seriously it's just an image that popped in my head everyone's wondering where the Atium was and I picture Gemmel in his Mistborn cloak sneaking across the rooftops with a big sack full of it like the Grinch <laughs> <laughs> he he found out when they were gonna overthrow the Lord Ruler and just like snuck right in there before they got there <laughs> just walked on out <laughs> I must stop the Adium from getting into their hands, but how? <laughs> You're a Maybe smart Gemmel's one, part... Mr. Gemmel. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Gemmel's part of that Western dominance now, and he organized these eight Alamances to come and trick her. I mean, we just saw mm. him trying Kelsia by, like, a surprise fight. So maybe he has come to test her. So somewhere in the Western Dominus Ashweather set is just going, where did my eight guys go? I had them right here. <laughs> it's like they got yeah, abducted by a crazy old man. Surprise Mistborn attack. Yep. Hey, boys, you want your freedom? Go kill that girl. Hmm. Actually, now that I'm looking back at it, in that short story we read, that is where they were. That is where Kelsier and Gemmel were, was in the Western Dominance. Oh, were they? Yep. Oh, yeah. That's, uh... That's an interesting little uh, note there. Connection. Yeah. So Gemmel could maybe Gemmel is working for somebody there. Maybe Gemmel's one of the people who set himself up as king of the Western dominance. <laughs> uh, that doesn't seem like his style, all. but yeah. You're, yeah, you're not wrong. What are these reports <laughs> we're getting of this man? Everyone just calls the crazy king. <laughs> the mad, the mad, the mad king. king? Yeah. king. Yeah. Oh, 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 shit. Um. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, Joe, what do you got? <laughs> uh, so I am really per- hoping slash predicting that there's going to be kind of a clash of kings style 
battles between all of these different warlords from these from these different areas of the of the map. Clearly, they're all vying for being top dog. So I feel like we're kind of set up uh, for that kind of sh- for those kinds of shenanigans. If the Western dominance lord has already sent assassins to Luthadel, I'm almost wondering if he's going to end up meeting Straff Ventures' army before they actually are able to try and seize uh, the city of Luthadel itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really interested to see how this mystery plays out. I, I like Jamie's idea that maybe the mists, some kind of force ghost apparition. I, I had a similar, I had a similar thought when I was reading that section. And as far as the Watcher goes, yeah, I, I'm just completely unsure about that. I like that Gemmel theory, but I almost hope that it's kind of a new character, just because I feel like the interactions we've seen so far don't exactly denote um, what we the the short amount that we got from Gemmel in that short story. Well, that's fine. Um, for example, like I don't feel like Gemmel would help her figure out that there was a Mistborn there. I feel like you'd probably just be like, okay, figure it out. You That's killed the Lord point. Ruler. True. But I I do think it it could still be Gemmel, you know? Somebody uh, who who's lurking in the shadows, watching her, testing her. Because clearly, if he is still alive, and he heard that Kelsier failed, but this girl um, accomplished taking out the Lord Ruler, I would I would almost be certain that he would be interested to to meet her and to know what her the the extent of her abilities. So. Okay. Yeah. I like I like this idea that other people are going to show up and like what happens if another army shows up from one of these other yeah. warlords before Straff Vetcher can take over the city? Like, do they fight outside the city? Do I mean that seems like a bad plan for everybody because whoever loses is going to be weaker right. when they try to attack the city. Uh, I was going to say that sounds great for the people in the city. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Or maybe maybe the opposite will happen. Maybe they'll join forces and be like, we're going to take this city together. Interesting. I don't know that that feels like Straff to me, but right, you never exactly. know. Yeah, That's why I thought it would be more likely for them to actually get in some kind of confrontation outside of the city. Well, actually, what that sort of reminds reminds me of is um, another army shows up, they join forces, and then they're waiting to stab each other. And I'm just like, wow, look at the nobility mm, who have become scar right. thieving crews, stabbing each other in the back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, St- or Straff meets up with somebody, he's like, why don't you go ahead, take the city, I'll be your backup. And then, like, as they're taking the city, <laughs> he's just like, kill them all! Yep. <laughs> that 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 feels more strafed to me, yeah. I guess I guess it would all depend on how clever the leader of the other army, if it is this set or if it was somebody else, like how smart that guy was, uh would be a big factor in how that went. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Alrighty, I guess we so, will find out. Um I did forget one thing oh, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, uh just the mists are coming during the day. This might be an obvious one, but it's like, all right, that's what the Lord Ruler has been holding back, and now it's starting to yeah. come. So, sorry, I, I spaced with the for, the Force Ghost or the Mist Monster, whatever it is. I thought, is this the personification of the deepness? Is that it's is it coming back now? No. Um, and that's how it takes human form. So, if the mists actually are popping up during the day, and of course we only have the one guy's word for that, and so. The mists were there, and this guy died, is the, the report that we got. So, did the mists do that? Are the two things related, but maybe not directly related? Are they unrelated that this guy died when the mists were there? That seems kind of unlikely, right? But maybe. So well, I mean, we we know that mist wraiths take bodies, and like young ones are not a threat to um to people. 
but mature ones can like can be. Mm-hmm. Um, what and but what if there is another phase to their evolution, which is these ones where the mis like themselves are the you know can take form, and so that's like the next phase of their being, and that and that's a form of the deepness because like the last the only time we've heard of this happening was before the Lord Ruler was holding the deepness back or doing whatever he was doing to mm-hmm. save the world. So now all of a sudden that he's gone and whatever he's doing is not holding the deepness back or whatever. Now the yeah. like the the mature form of these mist wraiths, like the fully mature form, is coming back where they can just dissipate into the mist and take people over and kill them and everything else, and they can come out during the day. Yeah, maybe the legends were not just legends. You know, there was actually something to the mists killing people at one point. Yeah. And I don't feel like it's Brand. I mean, uh, granted, I've only read one book and one short story, but I don't feel like it's Brandon Sanderson's style to just have red herrings in his books, at least not in this series that we've seen so far. Usually, usually the things he talks about connect in some way. So I wouldn't think that even though says the character may not read much into this guy saying that there were mists during the day and then this guy died, uh, even though says may not believe it, I, I feel like as readers, we should probably pay a little more attention to that. Mm, okay. What what if one of those mist ghost thingies was in that mist and stabbed the guy, causing him to convulse in some way? I think it's possible. Or like a with like a psychic knife. Or you know like you know stabbed him inside. I don't know. I'm just trying to think like if the mist is there, how's it involved in what's happening to this guy? And we know that there's weird mist ghost thingies mm. popping up. So. I don't know. It went, it, so it she went his, it, the, it got into him and went for his bones. Yeah, oh, see, there you go. It was, it was, <laughs> he was convulsing because of a lack of bones. Phased into him like that. Bonitis. Bonitis. My only regret is that I, I had bonitis. Yeah, maybe maybe the mist creatures can phase into people like like what's her name in Ant Man and the Wasp. Oh, oh ghost. The, the ghost. Yeah, I thought you were gonna say like Kitty Pride, but you know, ghost makes sense. Okay. Okay, that is, uh, yeah, I'd kind of, uh, we, we, we didn't get too deeply into what might be going on there with the mists during the day and people dying and things. So, yeah, okay. There's, uh, there's a plethora of mysteries already in the first four chapters opening up before us for where this is going to go. So we will see what happens. Uh, before we get into the end of the episode, we have two emails that came in. The first one is from Jordan. And Jordan makes a comment that I'm not going to read because in the final episode of our coverage of the final empire, I made a joke uh, that you guys are not going to get until the next episode of after this one. So he's like, Oh, I see what you did there. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Oh, Uh, I see. Yeah. So me and Jordan and other people who have read these have an inside joke going on. I just wanted to rub that in your face a little bit, you know, <sighs> well, uh, this will be my last episode of the podcast, guys. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a good run. You didn't read these chapters anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> that's that's the general consensus. <laughs> <laughs> but Jordan says, for what it's worth, my vote is that you should do secret history uh, after Era 1 rather than waiting after Era 2 because – it works if you do the whole Cosmere generally in publication order, but there will be a long time in the podcast between the uh, two for you to remember any of the minutia from Era 1. I think you have a good point, Jordan, and that's the point that I made last time that was uh, weighing on me for why maybe we should do Secret History earlier. Jordan says, keep up the great work. I also love all the both ridiculously accurate 
accurate predictions as well as the hilariously bad ones. And he mentions volcanoes, of course, as one of the hilariously bad ones. Yeah, so. yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then he says, "Cheers." So, cheers, Jordan. Thank you for your email. We appreciate it. All right, Dak, you got to brew up a ridiculously bad prediction for this book. How do you know Gamble he hasn't the, already? Gamble is the Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! Done. Does that mean Jim Carrey's gonna play Gamble? I can kind of see it actually. He's he's getting old enough, uh, and he's yeah. crazy enough. So, and then okay, we our second email is from Nava, who we've had an email from before, and she says the the subject line is your first official hate mail. Uh, oh snap! I know, right? She says, hey, I just finished listening to episode 18, where you finished The Final Empire, and I have to tell you all again how much I enjoy listening. The reason this is entitled Hate Mail is that because you all got me addicted to your podcast and now make me wait every week, every time, a week every time to get the next segment of insightful and funny commentary. Love to Jamie, Dak, and Joe, and of course Data. You all bring a smile to my face. And she actually spelled all of those correctly, which is, that's putting some effort into it. I appreciate it. Nice. Well done. And, yeah, uh, she's reading descriptions and stuff. I know, right? <laughs> like, no, no offense, Jamie, but your name's a little bit tricky to spell if you don't know how to spell it going in. That's so, so yeah, so I'm just like, if she got that right, then she was reading a description or something and paying attention to how you spell Jamie. So Yeah, you, yeah some geniuses even get my name wrong, so I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Who spells Joe with a G? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's usually they leave off the E. You spell ah. Jeff with a G sometimes, so I could see That's Joe true. being the same. Yeah. And then she says, I hope you all keep I hope you keep on enjoying making the podcast as much as I enjoy listening to it. Nava. And then in parentheses it says, Good guess last time, I am a girl. Because last time I was like, I think this is probably a, a girl. She has a girl <laughs> as an avatar, but I don't want to make assumptions, so but I got it right apparently. So Yeah. That's the nicest hate mail ever. I, I know. know, right? Best yeah. hate mail of all time. Uh, okay, for next time. We are reading chapters 5, 6, and 7. That is three chapters for next time. 5, 6, and 7. And we are burning through. Yeah. Uh, and it's... Get it? Burning through? Metal? Get it? Get it? Uh, Good one, That Jack. was unintentional. That was unintentional. I swear. Uh, so, yes. Read those for next time. And uh, you guys will finally get my inside joke. Although you won't remember the joke I made, so you still won't get it. It'll be great. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure it'll still be not, not funny. I'm, no, you're absolutely right. Of course, it will still not be funny. It's fine. That's uh, that's all of my jokes. Everyone knows that. So uh, what uh, what else do we need to hit on? Oh, right. If you would like to email us like Jordan and Nava emailed us, you can send emails to thesanderlanch at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at thesanderlanch. You can leave comments on our Podbean page. A couple people left comments, actually, that I was going to read, and I'm glad I said that because it reminds me. On on the final episode of the Final Empire coverage, Blue Priest said, not getting off to you hit the end of the line, huh? Cool. I'll have content until I die at the rate that Brandon writes. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Atif says, when Vin was slashing the air, because we talked about, like, what was what were the Lord Ruler and Carr thinking when Vin pops in and just cutting the air for no reason? Atif says, when Vin was slashing the air, I thought that the Lord Ruler and the Inquisitors would have been able to feel what she was burning and have figured out what she was doing from that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, assuming that they knew what that felt like, because presumably not many people burn that, then they might have. That's true. Yeah, they may not have even known of that metal's existence. Uh, HF also says, I've never heard about needles in Vader's suit. I'm a, I've am been a pretty big Star Wars fan and have never come across that. So, 
All right, well, my friend's clearly a moron. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, those are some comments on our podcast page. I'm going to text him right now. Yo, bro. (laughs) You're a total moron. Thanks for being you. Love, (laughs) Joe. Does does this friend listen to the show? No, I'm, I'm texting him. Oh. I know, it's like, you should get him to listen to the episode. It's like, hey, you get a special shout-out! Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, you can also find us on Facebook, on the Sander Lanch page. And uh, we don't really get many comments there, although the other, when episode 17, I think, went up, we got a couple comments from people in Brazil saying that the episode was not working for them for some reason. Oh, huh, that's weird. So I threw them up, uh, I threw that episode up on YouTube on my account, and was like, here, you guys can listen to it here. Uh, so, you know, trying Ooh. to help out. We have a YouTube account now. I have a YouTube account, and so oh, I have okay. on my YouTube account. <laughs> Hopefully, that won't be something that is a regular problem that I need to throw episodes onto YouTube. But, uh, you know, I figured, why not we'll help a couple people out? Uh, thank you, listeners. Uh, speaking of YouTube, thank you, listeners, for anyone that did go check out my uh, YouTube channel, Joe Show Play, no spaces. Check it out. If you haven't yet, uh, it's subpar at best. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I saw you did, what was it, Viva Pinata? Oh, yeah. You know, I was just in the mood for some Viva Pinata, and uh, darn it, if that game still isn't really fun. I was like, I have to go watch this later. I haven't played Viva Pinata in forever, and uh, it is fun. Sorry, didn't mean to do an ad for Joe's channel. I was just thinking, like, I, I want to watch hey, Viva he's, Pinata. He's, yeah. he's, 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 got, he's got the content. Why shouldn't we spruik it? I mean, yeah, you know, if you, if you enjoyed games from 2006... <laughs> uh, check out my channel uh we got some sweet viva pinata action going on so i think that's everything we need to touch on i talked about the new song uh hopefully everyone enjoys it as much as you enjoyed our previous one if you hate the new song then all yeah. you have to do is wait 20 weeks and we'll change <laughs> <it again. laughs> is, it, is it also by miracle sound yeah yeah all all the ones i've picked out so far for the upcoming uh books are by miracle sound just by virtue of him being a guy that i like and a guy who has said hey as long as you give me credit you can use my music on your podcast and that way we don't get uh copyright strikes or anything sure. like that so as Heck long as i can guy. find a good song by this awesome guy i i'm going to keep using miracle of sound music because it gets us around any of uh, those legal uh snafus that might come up also, he's just awesome, and you can find a link to his – if you're not familiar with him, you can Google him, or on our Podbean site, there is a link to his uh, – it's one of the two links on our page, one to Brandon Sanderson's website, one to Miracle of Sound. So check those out. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next week for chapters 5, 6, and 7 of The Well of Ascension. Bye. 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 Never let it fade